This is Afterbirth, the fourth and more postpartum support group brought to you by Preggers Can Be Choosers. In this podcast, we offer peer-to-peer support, not paid psychotherapy. We try to offer support and personal experiences over solutions. If you find yourself in need of more support, the Postpartum Support International, or PSI, warm line is 1-800-944-4773. You can also send a text message to 503-894-9453. English and Spanish options are available. If you'd like to join our conversation live, we meet every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Need a reminder? You can sign up for text alerts at www.preggers.rock. Lastly, if you find this podcast helpful, please consider sponsoring this group for 99 cents a month. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends and family who may find it helpful too. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, this is uh, Rowan's sisters and today we're going to talk about being sad. My cat died. I'm super bummed. And uh, today's a uh, a significant day for Caitlin. Mama D is just here with us in solidarity. So here we go. You guys are going to introduce yourselves. I'll mute myself. Hey, I'm Caitlin. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And today is rough because it's my mom's birthday. And she passed away almost um, five years ago. So that's just really rough because she would have been 61. She passed away at 56. Um, so it's just uh, my husband's out of town this week too, so I'm got the kids all by myself this week. Um, so I don't feel like I have a lot of time today to really do anything in her honor. But then on a on an extra note, then it's also my dad's birthday. Because they shared a birthday and they're six years apart and we aren't on speaking terms. So it's just an extra shitty kind of day because I'm like, I can't even call him to say, hey, happy birthday. Even if I wanted to, I don't want to, but um, I'm just, I miss my mom. I just... Every time I go into a fabric store, I see all the things that she would love to do because sewing was her thing too. And uh, there's a lot of things that I would just want to buy her as a gift because I'm like, that would be something my mom would want. And so I've been struggling with that, like not being able to buy her the gift I would want to send her. That's where I'm at today. Hello, I'm Mama Z. I am mother of three, soon to be four, all under the age of five. And um, on the note of sadness, you know, don't really, nothing sad going on here except just sometimes that day-to-day parenting where you have your bad days and you want to cry. On that note too, Kobe's, I don't know if you guys even care about Kobe, but my husband's a big Kobe fan since he was like a child and his memorial was last night or yesterday and it was a huge tearjerker and sometimes you know it just feels good to cry like sometimes it just 
feels nice. And you start crying about like what someone's saying and about their connection to that person and their loss. Um, or, you know, what Vanessa, his wife was saying about the loss of her daughter, like how she could like almost cope with her husband, but not being able to like see her daughter ever again, she can't deal with. And, and it just kind of like triggered me just to like, like I cry about that. And then I went off and just started crying about my stuff. <laughs> and it just felt good to just start, you know, crying, crying. And I remember my husband looked over at me. I didn't think he like expected me to cry that much. He was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm just crying about other stuff. Like, it's not just like that right now. It's like, it's just set off a chain reaction and it feels good. So just let me cry. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I'm all for the tears because sometimes it's healthy. My mom's birthday is next Thursday, and um, Dr. Blythe and I decided to take the afternoon off and do stuff that would be like um, in celebration of my mom. And she's really into embroidery and like machine embroidery, and so we figured we'd embroider a bunch of stuff. And my dad was here over the weekend, and he had a stroke. Um, well, he's had a lot of health problems and he's lived surprisingly um, mostly because he's fanatical about fitness and stuff so other stuff that would take other people out my dad has survived but like we almost talk about cancel culture like we almost broke up with my dad about three years ago and the only reason we really um, or one of the significant reasons we kept him in our life was because when one parent dies like that's the library for the parents that died is asking so Lots of compassion to you, Caitlin, on not being able to ask your dad shit about your mom. And, and my dad, like after the stroke, like he used to be like kind of a kind man, but he's not kind anymore. He just says like shitty things all the time. And I think that's like how his wife and his family are. And they're very different than me politically. And so he would like just start ragging on stuff. And I'm like, what is this about? Like, calm down. And stuff that didn't even, like, really affect him. And at one point, I was like, oh, my God, my dad. And just, like, real insensitive about violence and misogyny and stuff. And I don't know, it was hard. So, um, but about thinking about your mom, Caitlin. Caitlin gave me a gift. I was one of the midwives at Caitlin's birth. And um, Caitlin gave me a gift. And it was something from your mom. And um, I was cleaning up my bathroom and realized that I wanted to restring it, you know, so I was looking at the present as a pendant that you gave me. So I was thinking about your mom maybe about a week ago. For some reason, I had thought of that, too, and I was like, I really don't miss it. Like, I had completely forgotten about it, which just reminded me, like, that it was the right, it just, I don't know, it was the right thing to do as it wasn't mine anymore. Um, which I told you, it just didn't feel mine. And yeah. Do you have any feelings about Kobe Bryant? I can tell you what I thought. Like when I saw, like I was kind of real timing it. My sister was painting something in the backyard and I was sitting there and I saw that go down, you know, and I used to play basketball and I just felt so bad for, you know, his daughter and the other people on the helicopter and in my mind you know Kobe Bryant is a complex person because he's something there's a book written I forget what it's called but where this person like puts people in different categories and being a cleaner is like the top category because you're always just like got a lot of drive and ambition and stuff and so he did he was constantly honing his craft and getting better and the dude was a rapist 
and Shaquille O'Neal and him never got along because Shaquille O'Neal was like, if you're raping people on your off time, you know, maybe you need to find a different hobby. And then everybody like got shitty to Shaquille O'Neal. I'm like, why would you say that? Well, I'm like, cause it's true motherfucker. So, and people like threatened the person who, you know, brought rape charges against him and they settled out of court, but you know, his semen and stuff was found inside her body and he said it was consensual and all her ripped clothes and her saying that it wasn't indicate otherwise. So like everybody, right? Like, you know, he's problematic. He's a rapist and he was one of the best at his field and constantly crafting what he was doing. And, you know, the, some of the other people didn't like him because he was always getting better and he wouldn't go out and party or go to strip clubs or whatever. Cause he was always working on getting better as a basketball player. And he also was emotionally, you know, kind of underdeveloped a little bit because he went from the pros right from high school. And I remember that thinking, Oh shit, this is not good. Cause college is where a lot of people mature right so yeah he was amazing and driven and looked like he was a good parent to his girls and at the same time he was a known rapist and like I would just had like the swirl of emotions and as a parent I can't even imagine losing my spouse and one of my children at the same time I mean this is terrible terrible I think that all of that grief is just, it's hard to wade through, even if you didn't personally know Kobe or his daughter or their family, because their life is so public, you feel like you know them to an extent, right? Um, and so there is that morning, and then, um, I don't know if you all want to talk about it, but the Weinstein verdict um, coming through has been a really big thing, because Rowan, you said your dad's been kind of misogynistic and very politically opposite, right? Is that what, I, I, tell me if I'm wrong. No, that's right. And he was the one who was telling me about the Weinstein verdict when we were walking okay. around the museum yesterday. And he was like, good. He goes, like, I probably needed longer to be in jail. So like, so he'll say stuff like that, which is like the dad I know. And then he'll say other shit where I'm like, oh my God. So, yeah. So and my dad, um, I didn't, I was never like sexually assaulted by this person, but he, um, there was a person that, that like lifted up my skirt and was like trying to do some things that I was like, no, thank you. Right. Well, I went and told my dad and he goes, well, I told you not to. Right. So I've got this, this thing with my dad that, um, I finally told my brother even that I told my dad and basically I knew that I was on my own like from that point on I was in high school um and I was like okay so long so hearing this Weinstein verdict just it always just reminds me like of everyone's stories and how it's going to affect them because even in high school I couldn't be believed by my own dad you know and that super sucked um and so I feel a little less alone even even though mine wasn't nearly as serious as others you know, um, I don't know. So I'm sad about that too. I'm sad that it took so much to get, to get this tiny little bit. Like it, it doesn't seem like 25 years is enough or even, we don't even know. Cause it could be, it's potentially up to 29. Right. But it could be as little as four, you know, it's, it's some bullshit. So I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of emotions around Kobe and like his past and his past charges. And then 
losing family members and then seeing all of those things reflected in my own family and then with the Weinstein thing and it's just a lot of shit to handle a lot of shit to handle that's all Daniel Laporte put out a thing today about your people who hold you up when you're, it wasn't suicidal, but like really down or something like that, you know, and it was just the art of being together when shit's bad or when one of your friends is sad, just being with them and not trying to fix it, not trying to make it better, just being with them. And I had a real bad patch um, several years ago, a few years ago now, and at that point I started writing down everything I needed to do to like make it to the next day. So like drinking water and making sure I do my fitness and making sure I do some type of yoga, which I try and do at 8 PM. Even if it's like, I'm standing here breathing, waving my arm in the air. Like that's my yoga time. Um, and I actually have like a, a yoga routine I normally do that's between 15 and 30 minutes, but sometimes I can just sit on the sofa and consciously breathe and that has to count, you know? But I made a list of shit I try and do every day and I put it in my planner and I rewrite it down every day in my planner and I cross off what I did yesterday with a highlighter so I can see and I refocus like I was trying to do Mama Strong, a five minute hack every day. Right now I've dialed it back to uh, just reading the Mama Strong email that comes out every morning and then um, there's a, you know, a link at the bottom of the email where I can, you know, log on and sometimes I make that log on and sometimes I don't but I try and read the email every day. And so, and I try and light a candle and kind of tidy up the airstream for five minutes every day. So like, I just wrote this fucking list down every day. Um, and even like stealth wealth, which is how I want to have lots of wealth, but not look especially flashy and wealthy. So like today I checked on my um, car insurance, you know, so like I write down what I need to do to be me every day. And then I cross off the list and see, you know, what, how, Danielle Laporte, she has this thing that says what I want to do, what I'm going to do to feel how I want to feel. And so I write my list down and then I do something about it. And some days I can't do anything on the list except for make the list. And then some days the list doesn't get made. But that's what I do. I spend, you know, five minutes every day planning my day, drinking my coffee and getting my list made. And, and I was thinking today how grateful I am for that list that I don't have to remember. Oh yeah, I have to eat, you know, I have a certain food plan that I try and eat. Unfortunately, I'm eating vegan right now, which just really sucks. But that's what this body likes. Okay, that's what we're doing here now at, you know, 49 years old. That's what has to happen in this body. And okay. Kind of like not drinking, you know, I can't think about not drinking for the rest of my life every day. I just think, you know, like one day at a time. So for today, I'm vegan. And today I'm going to do yoga at 8pm. And I'm going to take my dog for an adventure. And so I'm just really grateful for that list. And and so when Danielle Laporte came out today with her email about, you know, being just being with somebody when they're upset and reminding them just by you're sitting there that you can laugh sometimes or that, I don't know, kind of like I've had this death before and I know this darkness. This is Brene Brown says, I know this darkness and I know the way back. Okay. Caitlin, you and I know this darkness, we know our way back. 
you know, and just with having shitty days of being a parent, God, I remember those days. So, you know, like Rose is like 29 years old and I still remember. So I know what it's like to fuck up being a parent and we work our way back and sometimes that's just the plan, right? I'm here. I've made my way back. I can make it my way back again. That's all I know. Just because you know your way back doesn't make it any less of a deep hole. You know? And you just, it's... Like, I, I could see it on the calendar for me today. But it didn't register till this morning. And with losing a pet, it's just like someone takes the rug out from under you and you feel like you're in a cartoon. You just drop to the bottom of a hole and then you got to climb back out. And yeah, you've done it before, but Jesus Christ, like you have to start all over and you weren't expecting to. So it's okay to sit in the hole for a minute before you start climbing back out. Be in those emotions, right? Yeah, and somebody's going to come in today and their baby's transverse or some shit and they want to go into labor. And I just told their doula, I was like, just tell her. She can come in. I'm crying. I'm happy to help get her into labor and get the baby head down, but I'm crying. And if she doesn't want that around her pregnant body, then I understand. But she's also staring at a surgical birth on Thursday if nobody helps her get this baby head down. And I think she just has a tight psoas or something, but I was like, you know, I'm here, I'm crying. She wants to come in. There's no discount for crying, you know, midwife, but it's what it is. And I think with a cat, that's the thing, right? You know, like, I didn't want to get a cat. I got a cat because I was sad, and it really helped a lot. And then she just was gone. So it's not like she was sick. I don't know what happened. But I know if the cat was able to come home, she would be coming home. I haven't found her body. But this cat was kind of like a dog. Like, she was always around. She was always close by. The longest I had not seen the cat was for, like, an hour. So when she didn't, I didn't see her Friday night. And then all night Friday night, she didn't come home. Like, I knew something bad had happened. Anyway. But I don't especially have great luck with cats, which is why I try not to have them. And I want to be one of those people who's like, oh, I've had this cat for 20 fucking years. I pretty much hate anybody you can see there, I know. And you're right. Like, I will sit here. You know, today is the first day I really allowed myself to start grieving and I'm taking a lot of supplements. I'm like loading myself up on rhodiola like a crazy person. But yeah. So like, you know, with our parent dying and the date coming by again or, you know, a significant loss, you can kind of see it coming and oh shit, here it is. But yeah, I do definitely feel like the rug is just pulled out right now. So I, um, both my parents are alive and, but they travel a lot. And every time they go on like a big trip, my dad always sits me down 
and he has this talk with me about like where all their you know financial stuff is and the will and he goes through things with me and I hate it but he's always like just in case we don't come back and I know that's like you know it's the reality of life right we live and we die and they could die in their kitchen they don't have to die overseas while they're on a trip but it's yeah it's still shitty it's like that you know he's trying to be responsible and make sure that I'm ready pre prepared I suppose um with all of that in case that needs that happens and I hate having that conversation but yeah so they're overseas right now they're in Saudi Arabia and so we have to have that talk before they left and um they're gonna they're gonna be back on Monday so looking forward to that but it sucks having that you know these are where the papers are this is what this is I've chained the will this you know like this this time and you need to call so-and-so and you know whatever whatever um so anyways and it kind of makes me think too like man like we don't have a will like my husband and I don't have a will but we have three kids and I'm like jeez should we get on that because <laughs> you know you know you think about Kobe and him dying young he was only like in his late 30s and it's like you know that could happen anytime or my husband could die you know god forbid or something and man i need to be responsible <laughs> and get on this and just in case right to kind of i guess dictate who's going to take care of the kids or who's going to take care of our finances or deal out shovel out our savings or whatever take care of the house and the cats and everything else um and it's funny because like my biggest thing that i always have thought about if i ever die and i have like a baby who's breastfeeding that baby needs to be like they need to find a milk mother <laughs> and that baby needs to get breast milk <laughs> because i don't you know even though it's, it's like still he takes like formula at night just because it's a lot easier to make <laughs> um in the middle of the night but i i still give him like um another mother's milk during the day i'm like that needs to keep happening <laughs> That's like my biggest thing when I think about if I were to die. But, yeah. So one of the gifts my mom gave my brother and I was she did exactly that. She put together a binder with everything. All of her life insurance, all of her medical stuff, all of her bills. She made sure and paid off all of her credit cards, but gave us the passwords and all of the things to get in to make sure that everything got paid off. She had her will. She like everything was together, right? What she planned for for her services because she was on a very short. Um, a sh she had a short amount of time once she got her diagnosis. Um, she made sure and put all of that together, and it was a huge, huge help um, because it took that burden off, and we were able to just we made a list of the things we needed to do instead of trying to scramble to gather all of those things together. So my husband, or I have a will, my husband still needs to go sign his. Um, but we've, we've found that there's a huge value in just having some of that prepared and it sucks to have to talk about it. Um, as often as it sounds like you talk with your parents about it, cause it sounds like they go away a lot and having to talk about it every time sucks. Um, but it is a huge help. And I would say absolutely, if you have specific things you want done or 
um, specific wishes you want honored, it absolutely just needs to get done. It's a couple hundred dollars to get it together, and it's it's a safety net. And I think it's an important one. My mom died unexpectedly, and um, we didn't know where anything was. And that's a real recipe for um, disaster with your siblings. And um, Dr. Blythe and I just made an agreement that whoever was the most passionate would win because we never found a will. We never found anything. We just found a, a bunch of debt and taxes. And um, we were trying to pay her, keep her like lights on and, and get access to her account so we could have money to like, you know, pay the electricity bill and we got frozen out and they're like you can't clear out our accounts and we're like we're not trying to clear out our accounts we're trying to like you know keep the house going and I don't know how people do it who still have a mortgage and stuff I mean the house was paid off so we didn't have to worry about that but anyway it was bad so the more prepping and then my dad's the exact opposite right so he has like binders done like this and add this and that and we're like okay dad you know but um, I'm just real grateful to Dr. Blythe that we just made an agreement that whoever is the most passionate is the person who will win. And that's the person who um, gets to win the argument. And so, um, and it didn't really matter what it was. So um, that's the reason we have an eight foot pew from my mom's house now because I couldn't sell it at the last minute. My sister's like, where are we gonna put an eight foot pew? And I was like, I don't know, but I'm not selling this for a hundred dollars in, in the state sale. So. That's how that happened. But um yeah. And uh one of my friends, her husband, uh he was a, a veteran and he uh committed suicide on September eleventh, about five years ago. And she hasn't ever gotten her will and stuff together. And so I was like, Okay, this is the year we're gonna do that because she doesn't have a spouse, you know, to like egg her on now and brother friends I guess don't care I'm like she's one of my massage clients so every time she comes in every month and we just talk about every month you know getting our money together and consolidating and you know investing wisely retirement funds and all that because it is important and and it's so easy to not make it important right when you have so much other shit going down but it's part of parenting I think and and like, honestly, guys, I don't have a lot, you know, like I, you know, after going back to school to become a midwife, like, I think I have like, you know, $26 in my account, and maybe, you know, one retirement fund that's got like $35,000 in it. So all that stuff would automatically default to my sister or my dad, but it needs to go to one of my kids. So this is an impetus to get my own shit together. So... And something that was in both my mom's will and my grandpa's will was if anyone contested it, you got nothing. So you can put that in there too, which um, my, grand, my grandma Holloway did not do. And it like broke all of the family apart. Um, and so my mom saw that happen and said, you know what? You and Brett get everything 50-50. And if y'all fight about anything, you lose it all. You know, because she's like, your relationship is more important than any thing I could possibly leave you so there are lots of options and what you can do to like mitigate fights or anything else so that um if you say you know one person gets 25 percent and the other person gets 75 percent if they want to contest that congratulations you've lost all say in what your will like you've lost all all rights to what even the 25 percent you put in the will so um that's also really helpful um, and then financially, we do Dave Ramsey, so 
um, whether you like him or not, his information is good. Um, we aren't necessarily keen on all of the religious pieces, but we are keen on the strategy. So that's been helpful for us. Um, and a will was a really important part of that for, for my husband and I, uh, after seeing everything that's happened with my grandma and my, my other set of grandparents and my mom and everything else. It's just, it's a big help. On financial fitness stuff, I do the art of money with Barry Tesler. She has a book, which is great. And um, I started financial therapy, I think, um, 2012. No, it was 2010. And like, I remember I had like the worst um, credit score ever. And so I just started slowly working on it. And it was even frightening to like, look at my numbers. I just threw all that shit in the trash or the chimney. And I've really grown from there and working on my financial fitness with Barry Tesler. Um, but it's absolutely what allowed me to go back to school because she has this thing where she has these three tiers of like budgets and she calls them money maps. And one is like Maslow's lowest hierarchy of needs, you know, food, shelter, and clothing, just barely getting by. And then one is like, um, the middle one's like a comfortable lifestyle. And then the last one is like rock star lifestyle. So I call that my Lenny Kravitz. And um, cause I love Lenny Kravitz. And um, but I knew like, okay, if I make $1,700 a month, I can go back to school. And like, it was grim and, um, you know, but I managed. And then there were times when I made like $700 and then $70 at the end of school. And honestly, borrowing against my mom's account is what got me through. Like I borrowed against my mom's um, estate. Um, so now I'm in the process of paying that back now that I'm licensed and stuff. But, um, and I want to say from all the years of financial therapy, I knew how to like really be careful with mom's money, with Susan's money so that I could make it through school and just not like flip my shit and Medicaid and do whatever with whatever small amount of money is there. So, and because of that, like my sister and I incorporated and we owned two houses, we inherited two houses, two little small houses in El Paso and then also an Airstream. So Punk Rock Homes, which has its own website, which I'm going to link in here because one of the things we're doing too is building business credit with that um, LLC so that we can buy a house in Marfa. So yeah, but punk rock homes, but like we had clear heads about, okay, with this property that we're inheriting, instead of selling it and just going nuts with, you know, $150,000 and buying cars, let's, we owed back taxes. It was like real scary. We had, it took us three years to pay off all the back taxes and stuff. Um, they were just about to like get for um, like claimed by the city or whatever. So anyway, like I was able to keep a clear head because I'd done all this financial therapy. Um, and so, you know, I only have like four centavos, but I can like move them around and make it work and figure it out. So I guess that's the gift. And my mom didn't have that. She was so stressed out, like stress 100% killed my mom. She had an inflammatory disorder and stress was what killed her. So she couldn't even begin to make a will or whatever. And um, although a lot of people said that she made one and that she'd like written us love letters and stuff to be with her will, but I looked through everything and I couldn't find it. So anyway, I don't know which is worse, Adila, having your folks sit down and tell you this every time they travel. So it's like, oh shit. <laughs> or if, um, you know, just to go through everything, it was bad. And when my dad was in town right now, he just left yesterday. He was talking to us a little bit about wills and stuff and what happens with who dies first and stuff like that with my stepmother. But my stepmother, like, we don't get along at all. So um, 
In fact, I asked my dad to write me out of his will so that, because um, I don't want to fight. I don't want to have to deal with my stepsister. I don't want any of that. Like, it's the, so I don't know what's happening with that. But anyway, responsible parenting, responsible childing. I don't even know what the word is when your parents are doing shit like that. I don't know. Yeah, that's like one of, um, I got to talk to my dad about what you said, Caitlin, because that's like a big fear of mine is that my brother's just going to come at me. Because, um, you know, it's different. Like me and my dad says, like, you know, if, if your mother died or if I die before your mom and she did da, 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 and then if, you know, we both die, then you guys did da, 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 and they've got like property. I mean, they've got property in Singapore and it's like, I'm the one who could delegate it. Like I'm the one who's in charge of everything. But I know with my brother's attitude, like I'm just like that freaks me out like I just said don't want to deal with that shit um but then you know you got to it's like I have to do it and um and then I also don't want to like bring my husband into it because I know headed would like put, lay down the law you know um and so there's like that fine line of like okay he's still my brother I do love him in a sense very deeply but yes he has a mental illness you know and so it's like trying to deal with that shit and wondering where he will be during that time of death in right. his mental state. So my, I have an aunt and she's constantly in and out of psychiatric care. Um, so my grandpa did set up her portion of the estate in a very specific type of trust so that she couldn't take out all the money and go blow it on whatever the whim was of the moment. So there are lots of options um, to make sure that our family members with mental illnesses are still taken care of the way that um, we would, we would appreciate um, that being done. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, so that there are specific kinds of trusts that help with, with that to make sure that their needs are met without them just getting this huge chunk of cash. Um, yeah. and so my, my grandpa did that. And then something that both, uh, my grandpa and my mom did was they left spouses out of it. Um, they only did stuff for their children. Um, so like, even though my husband and I had been married for years, she, my mom did not give him anything. She left that up to my brother and I to do what we wanted with, um, with that. And if we wanted to include our spouses that way, or however we wanted to handle it, she also didn't do anything for grandchildren um, at the time because, again, she wanted us to be able to make the choices based on what our financial needs were at the time or uh, how we wanted to do it and how we wanted to set it up. Um, and my grandpa had the forethought of if um, the reason I was only in my grandpa's will was because my mom had passed. And he said, because my mom had passed, my brother, like her portion of the will was passed to my brother and I. And we split that. So if there was another another one of their children that passed away, um, it, their portion of the will or their portion of the estate would pass to and be divided equally among their children. Does that make sense? Um, so there was there were a lot of moving parts because my mom was one of seven children. So my brother and I each got one fourteenth of of my grandfather's estate is the way that it works out you know so it's you can make them as complicated or as uncomplicated as you want um 
but again, all of all of what we're talking about is just having a plan for all of that and making sure that someone knows what the plan is. And I know your dad wants to talk to you about it every time, but maybe if there's a commonality and just say, hey, do you remember where all of the things are? And you can go, yes, I remember um, that that might be helpful. So it's less of a huge conversation, more of a passing comment to make sure that it's all all there. Um, because you can tell your dad like it just takes a toll to have to like imagine those things. Anyway, I have a lot of thoughts on that matter, but that's because I've had to live it. And no, but that's that's good advice. I think I will. I think I will do that and try that. And I think because understand. Yeah, and the the other thing was like my grandpa. We found out had an extra son that no one knew about because he had a fifty year affair, five zero. Yes, fifty um, with another woman, and. Um, he had another son that none of us knew about and that son contested the will because he wasn't in it and he they basically told him you can't you don't get anything um, because he contested it and he wasn't written in the will so lots of things so it gets really complicated right so um, yeah <laughs> gets complicated but having a plan helps a lot regardless of what the plan is there's a movie called First Frost, maybe something like that. And it was this guy where he'd gone to a fortune teller and the fortune teller, had, like, or I guess a tour reader or a palm reader or something, had seen his, uh, you know, the guy transitioning. And then, so the whole movie is about this guy, like, trying not to get killed. But he was just, like, kind of a regular dude who was kind of, like, in a skeezy thing. But anyway, and so in the end, he gets to get killed by, um, uh, like, a load of logs falls off this truck and kills him. But when he, at the end, he's going to like meet this guy who we all think is going to kill him. And he opens up this drawer in the kitchen and it's like the Dave Ramsey, like, you know, special drawer or whatever, where you keep all that related stuff in. And I remember seeing that and thinking, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that. Oh, oh and here's one thing my dad did. Like, you know, you're kind of that, like, it doesn't matter what the plan is as long as there's a plan. So my stepsister, so my dad, you know, like I'm my dad's first family. And so he has like, he's on family number three here. And so my stepsister who is older than me has two kids from a loser. And um, so he asked me, he goes, so because Dawn, you know, the kid, the grandkids, uh, nobody else has kids, like, like biological kids. So, and my kids aren't biological. So therefore they're not relevant according to my dad. Well, more of my dad's wife. So um, that he goes, because uh, Don's kid to have a shithead for a father. Um, could he divide his estate six ways instead of four? I was like, okay. <laughs> so he wants to divide his estate four ways so that, um, like, not the part that his wife gets, but for me and my stepsister and my stepbrother and my biological sister. And I was like, Dad, really, it should be divided. Like, if, like, I don't care what you do, it's your money. You, you divide it however you want to, okay? Um, because if you're dividing it for your biological kids, it would be 50-50 between me and Dr. Blythe. But now we're including um, Betty's kids, so now there's four. And then Betty's kids' kids, so now there's six. I was like, you just do what you want to. And that's when I said, actually, could you just pull me out of all of this? Because this stress and this hassle, and he was bringing this up like two months after Susan died when I was still like going through all of Susan's stuff and trying to keep these houses and all these shenanigans. And I was like, I don't really care what you do. Just pull me out of it because I don't want to deal with any of this. It's too much. Like, you know, like, and my dad is fairly, he would say comfortable, but 
think we know what that means. Um, and But it's not worth it, you know? It's not worth however many thousands of dollars for this type. Like, look, I'm just like touching my forehead. For those, like, you won't be able to see this on the podcast, but I'm already like massaging my third eye because I'm getting so stressed out just talking about this. So that's when I told my dad, just, you know, like, give the kids my part because, like, I, I don't want to be in this at all. Just, you know, ugh. Money is not always worth the stress and hassle of what it costs. The money is not worth the other costs all the time. So speaking of money, this is a little off topic. I have been thinking about going back to school and I had discussed it with an, an uh, someone who is part of my family and an adult and who I look up to and is a role model and she, you know she's very dear to me and um, uh, she said that she would fully fund me if I wanted to do that and that's like awesome it's amazing right so then I get that financial burden is like off of my shoulders but I'm also scared of failure. Hey, Mama D. Yeah. The, um, baby is crinkling something right by the microphone. So, like, Sorry. give him something soft. That's fine. It's good that he's playing with something, but just something soft, yeah. Um. So yeah. So she said that she would fully, you know, um, fund my school if I wanted to go back. But I guess like what I'm really worried about now is that if I agree to all that and I like fail at this attempt to go. I'm going to really disappoint her. And then that's like, it's like a dark cloud that hangs over me, kind of like, do I take that step or, you know, just can do it? Or do I, um, I'm not quite ready to say school for what yet. So I <laughs> just, because I don't want to, I don't, I guess I, I'm, if I, if I talk about it, it's going to become real and I'm not ready to make that um, decision yet. If it is going to be real, a part of my life. So I'm still kind of like on the fence um, about it all. <laughs> that is what it is, okay? But I just don't want to say it, okay? <laughs> so anyways, yeah. Yes, it's our secret. But yeah, so I'm just like, ugh, I'm dealing with that. And I haven't even told Khaled yet about it because I know like he'd probably be really ecstatic, but he also hates like taking money from people and like that, you know, that same person, her husband, like, you know, gave my husband a bunch of money to start something and he's done really well with it. But still, I like, I know it was like really uncomfortable for my husband to take that because he's like always been kind of on his own since 18, supporting himself and never, you know, taking loans out or um, asking for money. Um, so it's just kind of like, oh, it's all confusing right now because you know, you would hate to disappoint someone that you really love and respect and who has loaned you this huge favor and then to be like, well, shit, I didn't finish it because it's, I'm not cut out for it. Or maybe it's not the right time because I've got, you know, all these children. So, just, yeah, money, money. Ugh. I saw this thing one time where this, it was like, I don't know if it was like it was something like Cardi B or somebody and she goes money likes me it knows they can always find me at a party and sit down and visit and I'm comfortable with money and I want to be like that because money is um just uh you know it's just a placeholder it's an energetic placeholder so and I want to like 
that's one of the things is I want to be one of the wealthiest person in every room so that I can do whatever I fucking want to and um, not have anybody on my dress, which is, you know, how I'm partly, you know, unemployable because I'm so independent and stuff. And I always want to have way more money than anybody ever thinks I have. I think it's like a past life thing, actually, you know, living in a little hut at the edge of the, the city or whatever, or the town or the, you know, fiefdom or whatever, but like really having lots of resources and stuff. Um, but so I like money and I want money to like me. And, um, but, you know, Marianne Williamson, she has this little book that, you know, Marianne Williamson is not always a popular topic, but she has this book about, um, it's a little blue book. I'll try and find a picture of it or I'll put it in the show notes, but it's about money and energetics and stuff. And it's great. And, um, but one of the things was, is when people see that, um, you know, like when somebody's poor, is it because the Marian Williamson's idea is that because somebody didn't choose love and they're like, oh, so like starving kids in Africa, they didn't love enough. Is that why they're in this situation? And she goes, no, it wasn't the kids who didn't choose love or compassion it was the people who put them in that place such as i don't know like you know oil miners or whatever when we think about people who strip natural resources away from you know local people i'm saying this really awkwardly but i think that's about the time that i actually tattooed on my chest i choose love because i always want to choose love and i want to be able to choose money or you know like i want to earn a living wage from the stuff that i do because i am like putting out I'm cranking out love like left and right hopefully even as I cry here you know moderating this group um I just always want to choose love and I want the financial return for choosing love and doing the best I can with that so I'll probably edit this out but anyway I want to have a good relationship with money and I want to have a good relationship with work and I don't want there to be weird strings and I don't want the money to have an energetic you know signature that isn't um congruent with who I am and the work that I do all right well guys we're at time um thanks for being here and i'm just going to call this the sad episode <laughs> and that's okay we can be sad you know and we can be sad together and that's really kind and i'm glad that i could be here and cry um at 12 30 i'm gonna um at 12 30 i'm gonna um jump on with a bunch of other birth workers of color uh, which you are invited to come on Mama D and you are too, Caitlin, if you want to help me, you know, facilitate it or whatever. And if you got other shit to do 100%, that's okay. Um, but I had somebody else coming on and they canceled. So I was just going to do a, a round table at 1230 on zoom here and then put it up for the podcast. Oh, and then also, um, did you see, I did the breach babies have inside information with Nicole Morales. So that's a podcast that I put up and also a YouTube video. So that's good. Um, excited about that and I'm excited about the spinning babies work that was really some powerful work and I feel like that work is gonna both Mary and I became spinning babies aware practitioners and I feel like that work will help um, a lot of folks here in Houston Texas so I'm excited about that so next week you want to try for school again if we're not all crying <laughs> all right well let's unmute ourselves and tell each other we love each other because we really love showed you. up to it for each other today. I love you. <laughs> sure. I love y'all. I'll be thinking about y'all. Same, same. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Are you wanting to join in the conversation but keep missing us live? Then sign up for text reminders at www.preggers.rocks 
That's www.preggers.rocks. And we'll see you Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Oh, thank you.